Welcome to A Walk in My Stilettos, where our goal is to help you walk in your greatness. I'm your host, McKinney Smith. Hey, Faith Walkers. Thank you for joining us on the A Walk in My Stilettos podcast, where we have conversations with amazing women that are letting us step into their shoes. I help women to own their stories, conquer their fears so they can reach their goals, but I get inspired when I see another woman succeeding. But what inspires me more is her backstory and her mindset on how she got there. So today's guest is about to bless us with her testimony, and since you're already here, you may as well subscribe. Today we have Tamika Gentles. She's a certified personal trainer turned international wellness entrepreneur. She's the co-founder of The Whole Experience, which is a platform dedicated to helping women create a sustainable, healthy lifestyle while building community. And through Whole Experience, she has reached and served over 1,300 women with her transformational coaching program, Project You, and has brought together almost 100 women in six countries across four continents through her global retreats. And since losing 90 pounds naturally, Tamika has devoted her time to helping others activate the inner strength and fulfillment that she has found on her journey. Tamika has been featured in Essence Magazine, Huffington Post, Health Magazine, Eat Well, Muscle and Fitness, and Yahoo News. Please welcome to the show, Tamika. Thank you for the lovely bio. (laughs) (laughs) You're welcome. You're so welcome. (laughs) So I love to start the show with an icebreaker question because I believe that as women, we have all these different titles that we go by, but a title that is not given enough significance is our name. So my first question to you, Tamika, is do you know what your name means? I do, actually. A funny story about that, I had a grade 10 teacher um, who was obsessed with my name and she actually told me the origin, which means one with people which is actually oh. so indicative of yeah who I am and what I do and why I'm here. I love so. it. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Every time someone says your name, they're affirming that, right? Exactly. I love it. And it stuck with me since I was, what, 14, 15 years old. So it's very special. I had Googled it beforehand. And in Greek, because I know, you know so many different names, different origins um, can have different meanings. And I found the Greek meaning, which means gift of God. I was like, yes, girl. Ooh. <laughs> I didn't know that. I got to add that to my repertoire. I love that. Yes. <laughs> I love it. So I love to go forward before we go backward. What did you want to be as a little girl? I was convinced I was going to be the next Beyonce. I grew up singing ah. my whole life. Yeah, I sung in the church and singing was a big part of my life day in, day out. So When I was younger, I thought I saw myself on a stage and I did sing on a stage quite a bit. But as I started to evolve and really understand how I was best to serve people, that changed. But singing is still a big passion of mine. I love that. I wish I could sing. (laughs) (laughs) I I wasn't given that gift. gift. (laughs) (laughs) It is a gift. And I I haven't exercised my singing muscle in so long. So one of my resolutions, I have a 35 before 35 list. And I turn 35 next year. So one of my resolutions is to get on a stage, even if it's just an open mic night or something. I really want to activate that passion again. I love that. So share with us, what was the intention behind 
the whole experience retreat because you know sometimes we start something and it has a different intention than how it turned out like for example this podcast so the whole experience for me is a combination of like everything I love um when I first started the retreat business I started because when I was looking to go to a retreat and living in Bali happening to be in the retreat center of the world I didn't see retreats for women that looked like me and I saw a very linear niche of, you know, non-diversity. And for me, it was an opportunity to disrupt this industry that is so necessary. Women give and give and give in society and to give them space back and have a really awesome experience that's not just yoga, that's not just fitness, that's not just experiences, that's not just travel, but it's all encompassing just felt so right for me because I wanted to... I wanted to create a space where women could come and feel safe because I, I couldn't find that when I was looking and being in Bali, looking around, I didn't see it anywhere. What inspires you the most about what you do in general? After losing 90 pounds and kind of really assessing my journey and understanding how I wanted to help and serve women, I didn't lose the weight in vain. I didn't lose, I didn't become kind of this public figure in a way um, in vain. So I really wanted to take an opportunity to figure out how I could use this opportunity that I've been given by the divine to really kind of hone in on what my purpose was. And what I've come to realize over the time is my purpose is really helping women kind of, without trying to sound too cliche, understand that they can really have it all. So they can have a wellness journey that's Mm -hmm. supportive of balance and vitality and sustainability. They don't have to do the extreme fad, fad diet. So really, I'm inspired by disrupting what the industry has taught us and what society has showed us and really let women see that they can do it all and they can have it all. They can have it all in wellness. They can travel the world. They can experience the most. They can live their best lives. So everything I do, everything I produce from the coaching to the retreats, to the blogging, to the social media, it's all centered around just women understanding what their prosperity is. And I use my life as an example. You know, I've been divorced. I was severely in debt. I thought I lost it all. I was severely overweight. I sat in my isms. You know, I'm a female. I'm a minority. I'm marginalized. All of these things I sat with and I really excelled and overcame them all. And now it's just my divine mission to show women that they can do the same. What would you say to a woman that wants to make fitness a part of her lifestyle? So there's so many messages I have when it comes to fitness. One is we've got to ditch the extremes. I think so many times women were go-getters naturally that were like, I'm going to go to the gym seven days a week. I'm going to ditch all the sugar. I'm going to eat only plants and I'm going to eat only organic food. And it's like, we try to do the most and I sympathize with those women. But in reality, it's just not feasible. We're, we're mothers, we're sisters, we're cousins, we're workers, we're employees, we're household um, contributors. We do all these things. So I would love to, if I could have one message from when it comes to wellness, it's we've got to start slow. We've got to start Mm -hmm. realistic and we've got to implement the 1% rule. Each day, how can we be 1% better? Because I I often like to compare the 1% rule and wellness to that of compound interest. When you start to invest Mm -hmm. in in money, you know, you, you start to put away money, you don't really see it. But then over 20, 30, 40 years, that's when the real wealth is built. And that's the same with wellness. It's it's small, itty-bitty changes each day that feel sustainable, that se- feel seamlessly integrated into your life, that over time becomes a real lifestyle. So one of the things I do in all of my programs, be it retreats, be it coaching, it's really lifestyle building. 
and it's not doing the most right away. It's how can we kind of integrate this seamlessly into your life and build upon that. I I love the 1% rule because people will automatically just assume that if they're going to get into their fitness journey that they they have to like automatically cut out all you know, eating all of this, or they have to jump into doing all of this. And such a drastic change, like you said, it's not sustainable, it's going to be too hard. And any change at all, isn't comfortable. So doing that 1%, it's like little bitty things at a time, creating the small habits, the small rituals, so that, like you said, the compound interest. I love that. Exactly. And one of the things psychologically in the industry, what it shows is that when we check that off and when we're successful, we continue going versus we try to do the most and then we don't succeed because it's unrealistic, but we don't succeed. Then we have that shame and guilt that says if we're constantly being like, oh, yesterday I walked a thousand steps. Today I'm walking 1500 steps. You're constantly winning. And that just makes you want to continue and move forward. I love that. And that is like been such a key thing for me, just creating mm-hmm. like the small habits to do every single day, the little things. It's the little things exactly. that over time makes such a huge difference. Exactly. I couldn't agree more. What advice would you give to a woman that is struggling with her wellness journey? So, so often when women are struggling with their wellness journey, I have them unpack because there are usually stories and narratives behind the struggle. Um, I, I, I almost, I always challenge women when they come to me and say, you know, I'm just not motivated enough. It's like, no, there, there are deeper things there. So I often really have women understand their wellness story. Let's write out your wellness story. Let's really dissect and understand a, like what is it that's holding me back from my wellness story? What, what's the story that I'm telling myself that's preventing me from truly being successful? Often when I have women kind of go beneath those layers and work through it, it's, also, it's often pretty clear why they're not able to do it. It's usually kind of in the self-love, self-appreciation kind of arena, but Ultimately, whatever that answer is, once we become aware of why it's not sticking, what are these common triggers and these common self-sabotaging mm-hmm. patterns that I'm putting myself through? Once we understand that, it's so much easier to call it for what it is. So when it comes up again, you can pivot and say, this is what it is. And it's not going to be my narrative anymore. Because one of the things right. I really help women understand is that all of these narratives that we have as to why our wellness journey isn't working for us, it lives in our subconscious. That's just basically our default mode. But when we call it for what it is, we can start acting from a place of consciousness, which allows us to then finally take action. So it's a bit of a woo-woo answer. (laughs) It's a bit deep, but it really just begins with, let's start to write out your wellness story and understand where these barriers exist and how we can then move forward. It's not woo-woo for me at all, Um, especially for the women who come to me for coaching. I find one of the major things that they have in common is the self-image issues. It's, you know, how they see themselves on the inside because we have two images of ourselves. So we use our mind to create an image of ourselves and the image we hold creates our results. So the results that you're achieving in your life are a direct reflection of the image you currently have of yourself. And thankfully, no matter what our results are, no matter how good or bad they might be, if you improve the image, the improvement will be reflected in your results. You know, for example, a lot of the women who may come to you for fitness or, for example, how you lost the 90 pounds, you first had to, in your mind, decide 
what that image of you looks like. Because if you lose 90 pounds and you haven't worked on the mind, because the way that the mind works, it is programmed to find anything that it loses, you will regain those 90 pounds. It's your your programming. You know, we have programmed into the deep recesses of our mind a perception of what we are, who we are, and what we're worth. It's referred to as an inner self-image. It's literally a control mechanism that determines what comes into our life and how well we do. We have an outer image, the one that you project to the world by the way that you walk, talk, dress, meet and greet other people. That image is the outer expression of the inner image. Our results in life are always a reflection of what's going on internally. So if you have a negative or bad image of yourself, your results are going to be a reflection of that image. What's one thing you wish people knew about Tamika? I think when you look at me, because I'm I'm so out there with my story and all the advice I give, um, a lot of people have commented, and I'm really trying hard to shake this 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 perception. But there's this perception that I'm like quote unquote perfect because I'm living this nomadic lifestyle. I travel the world for a living, and I do all of these really cool things. So I've heard the word intimidating or perfect or seemingly like you know living her best life when I'm really just kind of your everyday mm-hmm. home girl. So I really wish when clients think, oh my God, I could never work with her and they put me on this ridiculous pedestal. Um, mm-hmm. my, I wish everybody kind of just knew I'm your everyday homegirl. Like I've been in almost all your situations outside of like um, <laughs> motherhood. I think life has taken me to a lot of situations that I can just really relate to a lot of people about. So I wish people people were more aware of that. I'm glad that you shared that because uh, this is like, a main theme within the podcast were all these women that I interview, you guys are successful, you're doing amazing things that inspire other people, but I want them to see that you are real human beings. You you have the same adversities as they do, you just push through. You've built that resilience muscle, you keep going, you keep moving, and you don't allow your failures to control your life. So I love that you shared that piece because I think that for all of you women, and myself included, there is that a misconstrued perception that our life is perfect. Exactly. And I mean, it goes back to the old, I guess, new adage that, you know, it's the, it's a highlight reel. That's really what it is. Mm-hmm. And I've, Absolutely. Created pers- I've created a personal rule for myself for every three, you know, beautiful pictures curated. I show one is just the real me and something I'm going through right now that I'm struggling with and mm-hmm. really trying to balance that messaging out. Uh, I do a lot of the same, you know, people, if they look at my Instagram, for example, they'll see a lot of, you know, quotes and, and pretty pictures and what have you. But if they read the captions, that's where the vulnerability kicks in. That's where the real mm-hmm. raw, <laughs> you know, story of who I am kicks in. So I love that you do that because okay. people will look at social media and see the highlight reel. And like you said, they create this perception that you have this perfect life and they put you on this pedestal not realizing that you have struggles every day, that you are dealing with issues every day just as much as as they are, if not more. Yeah, exactly. So can you share with us, um, you know, some of the adversities that you've had to go through to get to where you are today? Of course. I love speaking about this because this is what I think really helps. Once I, people get past that perception and they get to the real me, <laughs> um, then they're really able to understand that. So my biggest adversity was the divorce at the beginning um, of my kind of adulthood journey. I, I'm from the suburbs. So 
mm-hmm. the suburbs, you typically go to school, graduate, get a job, buy a home and get married. And that's just the trajectory you're on. And it starts real young. So I was married by age 25. I'm now 34. So that marriage lasted a year. <laughs> um, he was oh, wow. unfaithful. He was unfaithful. And that was something I just wasn't ready to put up with. So I left mm-hmm. that situation. And in leaving that situation, I was obviously heartbroken. It was trauma. But in addition, I had nowhere to live and I was in a lot of debt. And there were a lot of things I had to kind of outside of the healing process and the shame and guilt and all of those things, there was also having to rebuild a life alone. Um, Mm -hmm. So that was probably the first major adversity that hit in my mid 20s. And that's just a really young age to experience that kind of trauma. So you know, that, uh, you're speaking yeah. and I've got, I've got goosebumps because I'm like, oh, wow, I got married at 25 too. Wow. No that way. Marriage was toxic. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm turning 40, quick, so. <laughs> Oh man. Um, I was raising four stepchildren at 25. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. That's incredible. <laughs> Women are such powerful beings. It never ceases to amaze me. I totally agree. Superpowers, superpowers. <laughs> yes. So can you so speak was, to some of the other adversities? Yeah. So that was the kind of the first major hurdle. And then um, after that, once I kind of healed and spent the time really recovering, I then moved abroad because it was an opportunity at like my second chance at life. And I always wanted to travel. So I moved abroad with my company. I worked for a Canadian company. I was in corporate HR for about 10 years. Mm. Moved with my Canadian company to Hong Kong. I had never been to Hong Kong before. I was just ready to leave. Mainly, I see this now, mainly because I was ready to leave all the stigma that came with divorce from my small town. I was ready just for a new start. So what better way to have a new start than to put myself in Hong Kong? Mm -hmm. So I did that. (laughs) And I had never even visited Hong Kong and I committed to an assignment of six months. So that was a real... And it wasn't necessarily an adversity, but it was definitely something, it was a leap I had to take in life. Did I mean, that. to move to an, the other side of the world, that that's, for some people, yeah. that would be a huge adversity to readjust. Yeah. It's a brand new life. Exactly. So when I got there, the adversity kind of kicked in. Being like completely alone and isolated. I found an incredible community later on, but the first, the first six months were, struggle, were a struggle. Loneliness was real. Um, I had to really face, I see now it was a necessary kind of time in my life to really face what was going on internally and do some more healing, but really use that Hong Kong opportunity to, to satiate this zest for travel I had. And then Hong Kong kind of came to an end after about three years and I quit my corporate job. That's Sounds like it just kind of happened, but it was definitely a planned experience because I wanted to start my own business. So quit my corporate job and moved to Bali, was familiar with Bali, having lived in Hong Kong and traveled quite a bit. And when I moved to Bali, I then faced the, all the adversities that come as being an entrepreneur, which I'm sure you can relate to. There are oh, lists yeah. and lists and lists. <laughs> Not having any money, like vendors completely taking all your money, all these things that came with it. The, I could literally sit down with you for hours and talk about the adversities <laughs> of an entrepreneur. But that's kind of been my life for the last three years. Adversities within entrepreneurship and constantly having to be resilient to push through. Okay. Anytime I hear anything about Bali, I hear about peace and tranquility and reconnection, and spirituality and all these things. So obviously there's the adversities that come with entrepreneurship, but were there any adversities in moving to Bali within itself? 
Yeah, loneliness hit again because I had developed a really strong community in Hong Kong. So mm-hmm. again, removing myself, I'm seeing a bit of a trend here in my life, but removing myself from Hong Kong <laughs> to Bali alone, um, it, the loneliness kicked in. I had a death mm-hmm. in the family at the, at the time and looking to my left and looking to my right, realizing I didn't really have a community. That was mm-hmm. really difficult. Bali is peaceful, which is why I went there after working in corporate Hong Kong for three years. Like the burnout was real. So I specifically mm-hmm. chose Bali for that Zen. So I, I definitely received that, but it didn't come without its share of loneliness. I developed community, but Bali is very transient, especially people who pick up and move there. I was planning on being there for a year, whereas people would come for mm-hmm. like a month or two months or they had a, a little ga- a, a two-week vacation. So you weren't really making those deep connections. And I'm an extrovert right. at heart. So that was really difficult. And then Bali experienced in that year, Bali experienced some unfortunate events. Like there was two volcanoes erupted. There was an earthquake. Oh, wow. So dealing with just the adversity of nature and what's happening in our world today was really difficult. And then that was where I started my business. So as much as Bali offered peace and Zen, there was definitely some like difficult times <laughs> that are associated with Bali simply because that was the time <laughs> of my life where I, I started this business. I get it. I get it now. Okay. So did you have any coaches or mentors that helped you along the way? You know what? I didn't get my first, first coach until last year. So I definitely have mentors. I don't believe mentors need to be in person. I don't believe you need to know mentors. I had a lot of mentors on my podcast and a lot of mentors Mm -hmm. on YouTube because (laughs) the first year of my entrepreneurial journey, there was a big financial struggle. And I'm not ever shy to talk about my come up when it comes to finances because I think it's something we need to not think of as taboo and talk about more. But my first year, I was broke. Like I was broke. I saved up for a year off and I definitely had savings, but they're all tucked away in investments and in real estate. So accessible cash was, was scarce. Um, Mm -hmm. so I didn't have the opportunity to actually hire a coach, but I used mentors. If I spoke with somebody who seemed interesting, I would offer to take them up for a free coffee. Or if I listened to a podcast that really like took my interest, I would then Mm -hmm. fall down the rabbit hole of that podcast. And I would get mentored by people on podcasts a lot and on YouTube a lot and books. Those were my mentors for that year. Last year, I hired my first coach. So I had the experience of an actual coach, um, which was incredible. Now I physically can't see my life without a coach. I recognize the Mm -hmm. importance of it, but I'm just so grateful that I now have the finances to do that. So two things. One, I love that you spoke to, you know, you don't have to have um, coaches or mentors in person because I definitely believe that you can have amazing virtual coaching. There's a lot of people where I recommend that if you can't afford to have a one-on-one coach or to have someone that you can work with in real life, find someone that is in a position that you want to be in and emulate those qualities and look at their journey and what they had to go through to get to where they are. And with the podcast part, like doing this podcast for me as a coach, it helps coach me through a lot of my life issues because Mm -hmm. all of you women are so amazing and we can resonate on all of the issues and struggles and all the things that we're going through. You guys give me tips. You guys, you know, it's, it's so amazing. Like all all the women who have been on the show become like my new besties. We stay connected, you know, it's like peer (laughs) mentorship. I love that part. And then when you said the realness about your first year that you were broke, like I tell this story all the time when I'm speaking on stages, like when I first became an entrepreneur, I was selling real estate full time and I was coming straight from being a stay at home mom for almost five years. So my divorce was bitter. I I don't even know Mm -hmm. how much, then it was like over $20,000 on that divorce. I don't know, a lot of money. And Mm -hmm. I 
was a full-time entrepreneur taking care of three kids, a dog, had a mortgage to pay, a car payment to pay. And I thought, oh my God, I'm not going to make it. It took maybe eight months being a full-time entrepreneur before I actually started making money. So I love that you speak to that realness of the first year. It's so important Mm -hmm. for people to hear that. Exactly. And I just, yeah, I think people are becoming more and more vulnerable now, which makes me really happy. But there was a space when I was kind of coming up with entrepreneurship, when I was coming up in in my space, I didn't Mm -hmm. see anybody struggling. And I was like, what is this? (laughs) What is going on? Why is everybody just blowing up? Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And that is why authenticity and transparency and vulnerability is so important because people can mm-hmm. feel connected and relate and resonate more with your story. Because if they feel that you started that entrepreneurship journey, you know, I don't know, living in Bali and life was perfect and you were never broken, you never struggled. They're like, oh, that's great for her, but I can't relate. You know, so exactly. hearing the truth of your journey and the struggles that you went through and the divorce and the loneliness and all those things is so important for those of us coming up to share because that inspires mm-hmm. those that are listening. That inspires those that hear exactly. your story and say, you know, there was this girl to me that I was listening to on the podcast and this is her story. Like, that's what lifts me up all the time. I love listening Completely. back to even these these conversations because I get to hear the conversation multiple times. Like I'm engaged having this conversation with you now and learning from you. But then when I got to edit, I got to listen to it again. Like I just, <laughs> I don't know, this, this, this lights me up. So thank you. I hear you. I hear you. I could not agree more. And I think what I do is one of the reasons why I share all the highlights is because I want people to feel that sense of empowerment, that resilience is possible. So yes, yes. these are the lowlights, but the highlights are real now. I'm, South, I'm in South Africa. My view right now is looking at Table Mountain. Life is good. Yeah, but it did right? not come without its share. <laughs> it did not come without its share of real hard trials and tribulations. And I just really want people to understand that the, somebody who's in that dark place right now, this is a possibility. And that's really a lot of the messaging that I, I try to communicate. Yes, absolutely. I'm I'm like, oh, wow, I'm recording right now. I'm looking out at the beach in Keokoko and I'm seeing turquoise yes. water for as far as the eye can see. Like, that's amazing. <laughs> so I feel you. I'm, I'm having a self-care week. So I would love to know what is your self-care routine look like? Oh, gosh. So I implement self-care Sundays. So unless I'm in a retreat, um, mm-hmm. I, I stick by that. And I even now try to make my retreats work around my self-care Sundays. I'm pretty adamant on it. And you know what? Some weeks that means I am treating myself to a full day at the spa. But other mm-hmm. weeks that just might mean I'm lying in nature, taking myself on a picnic, going to a movie by myself, and it's doing a face mask, taking a long bubble bath. But it's a day. It's a day mm-hmm. now. And I... It never started as a day because, of course, I had all the excuses why it couldn't be a day. But I'm at the stage and season in my life where I'm not a mother yet. So I'm going to take Mm -hmm. the day because that's Mm -hmm. the only excuse, really, that kind of avoids me from taking a full day. Um, Mm -hmm. And I don't have that excuse. So I'm taking the full day. So that's my self-care. It just helps to reboot me. But then on a day-to-day, I live and die by my morning and evening routine. My day is different if I don't implement those morning and evening routines. I think when you're in a healing capacity... I give so much of my energy to people on a day-to-day mm-hmm. basis as a coach that if I don't replenish that cup, I am not doing what I'm meant to be on this earth to do. So for me, it's a non-negotiable. Self-care is, it's a part of my regimen. It's taken a while. Yeah, you to get can't here, pour though. from an empty cup. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's taken a while because yes. you used to obviously have the excuses that you're too busy to do all those things. But then you realize that 
like, as you said, when your cup is empty, you're just not fulfilling what you're supposed to be fulfilling. And I've now made the connection with the formula. The more you give to yourself, the more you can give to others. And that's just what I stand by now. Absolutely. I love that you spoke to the morning and evening routines. I think that those routines are essential in how you function throughout the day, how you process the next day. I believe that we should all have at least a morning routine. Um, Mm -hmm. Things that whether it be, um, I'm going to say, you know, your intake of exercise and food and practices and just reconnecting, all of those things are so important. And having a routine of them, I find keeps me sane because life can become exactly. so chaotic as an entrepreneur. So it's having that routine in the morning. And I started implementing earlier this year an evening routine or because mm-hmm. I can as an entrepreneur, you know, you're going, you work 24 seven. It's not, it's not an item. Yeah. <laughs> so in order to set things straight for myself, I had to set a 10 o'clock alarm where no matter what I'm doing, 10 o'clock at night, I'm, I'm done my work day. And that's where I start my, my bedtime routine with the stretches and, you know, all the things that I need to do before bed. Yeah. The rituals are so important. I, I, and, <laughs> and honoring, honoring the boundaries, cause we all set them right. But like to honor mm-hmm. them, that's, that's next level. And that's, it's, it, it's a muscle. We have to work. I call it. Absolutely. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just like going to the gym every day. You got to strengthen that muscle, making that commitment to yourself and keeping that commitment to yourself. Exactly. And then others start to, I find, honor my boundaries. So like now nobody mm-hmm. would bat an eye if I said, oh, I can't meet before eight o'clock because I have to do something. I have my morning routine. Nobody would bat an eye, but I had this mm-hmm. fear that people wouldn't accept it. But when you kind of own it, then others just kind of follow suit. It's a really beautiful thing, but it just takes that first step of really honoring yourself. Yes. And that, that is key. You honoring those boundaries for yourself so that other people can honor them. I mean, Mm -hmm. like I said before, entrepreneurship can be a 24 seven if you don't set proper boundaries. And I had learned people would send messages and emails at like six 30, seven o'clock in the morning. And I'm thinking I have children. So if I was working in a nine to five, my business doesn't start until nine o'clock. So mm-hmm. I stopped answering emails and messages or anything business related before 9am. People now it's, it's like nothing. They know, like you can message me before that time, but you're not getting a response. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's so, it's so empowering. <laughs> wow. Okay. So totally random. There's this question that I love to ask every woman that comes on the show because I came across this article and I thought it was so cool. So it basically says that your favorite type of shoe says a lot about your personality. So my question to you, Tamika, is what is your favorite type of shoe? Is it like a high heel boot, a running shoe? I don't know, a clog, a stiletto, a flat, most flip flop? Definitely, most definitely a training shoe. <laughs> <laughs> like without fail. <laughs> like, so not, I'm not a runner, so I don't want to say running shoe, but like a, a very comfortable sneaker. Okay, so they've got sneakers and they've got running shoes. So you'd say more of a sneaker? Yeah, I would say more of a sneaker. Okay, so sneaker buffs get along with everyone. If you are someone who relates to people much younger than you, yet also feels comfortable conversing with someone much older, sometimes you're an old soul, sometimes you're the life of the party. For sneaker buffs, age truly is but a number because you get along with everyone. The sneaker is very versatile and a very open person willing to explore a lot of options and different ideas. They are energetic and ageless. They're really not young or old, and they seem to move fluidly through age-specific groups. Does that sound like you? 
That does sound like me. Yeah, I love that. You'll have to send me, because now I want to ask my friend. You'll have to send me that article. <laughs> yes, for sure. It was in the readersdigest.com. I'll send it to you. Love so it. I want you to tell the people where they can stay connected with you online. For our personal evolution and journey, I'm an open book over at Tamika G, T-A-M-E-I-K-A-G. That's my IG handle. That is my Facebook and that's my website, TanikaG.com. Now, if you're interested in coaching or retreat, our business is called The Whole Experience. So on Instagram, we are whole underscore experience. If you Google us, The Whole Experience, our website will come up. And if you hop on Facebook, we're The Whole Experience Retreat. Awesome. And I will have all of your links in the details section below your episode so they can just click and stay connected directly. Great. And for the final segment of the show, I call it a walk in her wisdom and it's just reflection questions and you share the first thing that comes to mind. Perfect. All right. So let's start. Name a book that has changed or greatly impacted your life. The Universe Has Your Back by Gabby Bernstein. Mm. Can I ask why? It's just really relying on the powers that we can't see to know that life is happening for you and not to you. And Mm. I think she does a really beautiful way of eloquently proving that point through examples, through exercises, through reflections. And it just, it's the one book where I often go back to for quotes and reminders. And it's kind of, I love it because it's neutral from a religious Mm -hmm. standpoint and it's highly Mm -hmm. spiritual. So it can relate to anybody. And I just think that the world needs more of that. Absolutely. I'm actually attending a conference that she's going to be at in a couple of weeks. So I'm excited. Ooh, what's conference? <laughs> um, there's a conference called uh, Woman on Fire. A girlfriend of mine is having in Toronto. Um, and Gabby Berenstein, um, Stefan, uh, Stephen Speaks. Um, there'll be, uh, goodness. Uh, yeah, a lot of amazing, amazing thought leaders will be there. Wow, that sounds amazing. If I'm in, I'm in the city yeah. next month, hopefully I can try to come. Yeah, I'm going to send you the details. I'll send you the details. Great. Thank you. You're welcome. Name one of the most worthwhile investments you've ever made. And that could be money, time, energy. Travel. So (laughs) I didn't really touch much on it, but I've been traveling the world full time three years ago. So when I left Hong Kong, moved to Bali, I sold all my belongings and rented out my flat. I had a flat in the Toronto area. Um, Mm -hmm. And I started, I lived out of my suitcase for the last three years traveling the world. And there is no better investment because it just removed me from all materialistic things. If it didn't fit in my suitcase, it didn't come with me. And I have since seen 42 countries, experienced all the things and without fail travel, without fail. I love that. I am waiting for my son to turn 16 so I can do that. (laughs) (laughs) It's one of those things that I remember when I used to hear about people doing this, I was like, oh, that's just so impossible. But really, one of my business partner and I, we actually wrote out what our annual expenses are. That's including Airbnb, Mm -hmm. gyms, all the things you spend money on, but just abroad and living internationally mm-hmm. and nomadically, it was 25,000 US dollars. Like, no. Yeah. Okay. So add up your mortgage, add up your car payments. And we don't stay, I don't, I'm not a hostile kind of backpacker girl. Like I stay in nice places. So mm-hmm. I think, I think one of the things that I'm really adamant about doing in my evolution of my sharing is really, really bringing people along this journey. Cause I know it's going to come to an end. I do want to be a mom. I do want to um, settle down with my partner. So there are definitely, this is not, this is not forever. So I really want to show mm-hmm. people how they can do it. Cause it's just so possible. So possible. I love that. Thank you for letting me know that it's possible because I will be doing of it. Of course. <laughs> yes. And anytime you have questions, I'm your girl. I know this. Thank life. you. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. 
<laughs> if you could have a gigantic billboard anywhere with anything on it, what would it say and why? So, ooh, that's good. I have like all these quotes going through my head and I'm trying to think of something original. Um, okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'd probably say I have a mantra. And it's always, and this is something I say through my boot camps, during the retreats, and when people are really struggling, it's just that you are able. So mm. whether if they're in a, doing something physical, and I always say the body is able, or they're struggling something internally, I'll say the mind is able. I think people just need that reminder. And that's why I think mm-hmm. why I've hit all of the trials and tribulations in my life and why I've basically come up from that. And when the trials and tribulations happen again, I will come up from that. I just want to continue to show people what is possible. So you are able would probably be my billboard. And that's why. I love that. Okay. Uh, What new belief, behavior, or habit has improved your life in the last five years? Five years. Um, So I'd say I got divorced nine years ago. It took me a solid four to five years to heal from that. Um, So Mm -hmm. since I've hit my 30s, I'm now 33 going on 34. I think really opening my heart for love and recognizing Mm. that love can be a beautiful thing and allowing myself to be loved and receive love and all the things around love. And I'm specifically talking about intimate love. It's probably the the greatest gift I've given to myself. I've now found a glorious partner and I really see him as my person for for life. And I would say that's taken four years to get to. Four years (laughs) after my divorce of healing for the last four years since then. So it's taken me eight years to get here. But the last, since I turned 30, I remember thinking to myself, it's my time. And all Mm -hmm. the narratives, I think a lot of us living in socioeconomical areas or things or whatever whatever your ism is, a lot of times I felt like I didn't have a beautiful representation of lasting love and what that looks like. And that was my narrative. And then that manifested through my marriage and that was mm-hmm. just something I was I was ready to break up with. And I finally did. And that felt really good. I love that. Like, I'm a lover of love. So anything like that I hear, I'm like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And it's so funny because Mika three years ago th- could not have said that. So I'm proud of that. Right. And that's something I'm very proud of. I love that. And here's the thing. So many women that come to me for coaching or so many women that I speak to or that are in my DMs on Instagram, they are jaded by love. You know, they're, Mm -hmm. they're in a bitter place. And, you know, I was with someone that I recently broke up with that I thought, you know, that was going to be my person for the rest of my life. I thought that things were perfect and obviously they weren't. So when that ended, even my social media connections were like, oh my God, like your relationship gave me hope. And now I'm, you know, I'm back to being in this better place. And how do you do it? But my heart is like so open and maybe because I am such a lover of love, but I do Mm. believe that we, we are love. We are all worthy of love and we will find that love if you are open to it. Completely. And like the lessons you learn from that, right? Like now you can now Mm -hmm. grace the next person that comes with all of those lessons and learning. So yeah, Absolutely. I, I, I completely relate. Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what have you become better at saying no to in the last five years? And that could be distractions, invitations, family. I would say I've become really good at saying no to the hustle. Like I'm mm. done with the hustle. So right. 
I would say in the last year or two, I've become really good at saying, and it's kind of like saying no to myself in a sense, because no, as an entrepreneur, I place these expectations mm-hmm. on myself. Like nobody's telling mm-hmm. me what to do. I'm telling myself what to do. <laughs> so yep. weekends are mandatory. Self-care Sunday is happening. Logging off by six, seven o'clock. Like just really treating myself with kindness. So saying no to myself and the unrealistic expectations I place on myself, saying no to those. That's been a muscle that's been really hard to develop, but so necessary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But what's been amazing about the hustle leap fear like of saying no is that my business is still growing double digit revenue growth like every month. So it's like mm-hmm. there's been no there's been no turn on the output, but like I'm just able You're to get so smarter, much more to myself. You're working smarter, not harder. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Well, last but not least, what do you wish women would do more of? Self-care. And like mm-hmm. I, that has so many different things. It doesn't mean the massages and stuff, but really just filling that cup, that metaphorical cup that is so necessary for them to realize that they can give so much more. Because I think women, we are the keystone species. Like we are the, we, we, we are the movers and shakers of society. And if mm-hmm. more women were to make that connection between what filling their cup looks like, which is IE self-care in my eyes. So it can mm-hmm. be anything. It can be just a midday nap, whatever that looks like. If women would just honor that, I just think we would be able to do and give so much more. And it would just, it would be revolutionary. I love that because I'm totally team self-care. And as much as I have my daily rituals and I practice my gratitude and I take my naps and I take my supplements and I try to eat healthy, all of those things, like I literally had to force myself on a vacation because about six Mm -hmm. months ago, uh, has it been that long? Yeah, probably about six months ago when I went through that, that breakup. And at first I was completely devastated, but I was trying to work and function through it and realized, okay, I'm, I'm not taking care of myself in this very moment. I'm actually avoiding and I decided instead of going harder into my business, like I was in that moment to actually take a second and yeah. I am here enjoying the sun. I had untapped from social media that. for a few days. I told my kids, I love you. Your fathers are available. I'm not like mm-hmm. <laughs> it was totally, totally untapping so I can reset. So I think that's so important. I love that. Wow. Thank you. Thank you so much, Tamika, for taking the time to join us. I truly appreciate you and like sharing all of these gems with us. Thank you. You're so welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I've been a follower of yours for a while now and I just, I love what you do. Thank you for the gift you you give to us all and keep going. We love it. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. And I look forward to connecting with you soon because I am coming to travel to wherever you are. I got to attend a, whether a a retreat or I come spend a couple days with you, but right now Africa sounds amazing to me. (laughs) Yes. Whenever you're ready, there will always be a room available for you for sure. Oh, you're amazing. I love you. And and to all of you faith walkers out there, until next time, subscribe on all platforms, rate the show and leave a review on Apple Podcasts and join the community of faith walkers and sign up for our weekly newsletter at awakamystilettos.com. And make sure you grab one of my personal development books available online everywhere. And if you've received value from today's show, or if you can think of one person that would receive value from today's show, share it with them. Take a screenshot, post it on social media, and tag us. You can tag Tamika at Tamika G, T-A-M-E-I-K-A-G. And you can tag myself at The Real McKinney Smith and continue to walk in greatness in your stilettos in a manner worthy of your calling. Mm-hmm.